Information Operations Technical Training School. So in our business of national security, where our job is to fly, fight, win, we better be masters at this game of innovation. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. This is the Developing Mach 21 Airmen Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome in to today's inaugural edition numero uno of the Developing Mach 21 Airmen Podcast. And thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download if you get a chance to throw us some stars or even a review our way. We certainly would appreciate that as well. My name is Dan Hawkins from the Air Education and Training Command Public Affairs Office and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force Big A Airmen insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education world as we help each other along the hashtag lifelong learner journey that we're all on here in the Air Force. A lot to unpack here on this first episode. The superintendent of the 737 training group and Air Force basic military training, Chief Master Sergeant Lee Hoover, as well as 2018's BMT Military Training Instructor of the Year, the best of the best technical sergeant, Eric Garza, from the 323rd Training Squadron, joined the show to talk about the recent changes to the BMT curriculum and how the Air Force as a whole is benefiting by getting graduates who are more lethal and ready to help the Air Force fly, fight, and win. Before we jump into that, I did want to give you a brief backdrop for why the First Command wanted to start up a podcast and talking with Lieutenant General Stephen Quast, our commander here in AETC, as well as our command chief, Chief Master Sergeant Julie Gudgel. The hope is really to connect with airmen, to share information in a relevant and modern way wherever you might be and whenever you might be listening in across a variety of devices, which ties directly to the AETC strategic plan of learning anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Connecting through our AETC social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, it's great, we love it. We're also so proud to do it, but we also wanted to be there for Airmen in a way that translates. If you're getting in that workout at the gym or even driving in to start your day in the world's greatest Air Force. So getting into episode one, we really thought long and hard about potential topics we could start out this podcast with all across the command. All kinds of initiatives are underway in terms of learning next, both in technical and flying training arenas, and so many great things happening at the Air Force Recruiting Service as well. So whether it's changes to the way first sergeants or future officers are being trained at Air University or how international students are learning to fly the F-35 at Luke, or even Maintenance Next, which could revolutionize how we train and educate maintainers, getting them out to the field faster and better trained, or all the great innovation happening around ATC and the spark cell hubs at some of our technical training bases. There really is no shortage of great stuff that we could talk about. But after we threw around all kinds of ideas, we were like, eh, Maybe we should just start out, you know, a little bit basic. And there it was born, the idea to start with Air Force basic military training and the recent curriculum changes. Those changes really part of an overall effort to increase lethality and readiness of our BMT graduates. One of Air Force 
Chief of Staff General David Goldfein's top strategic priorities, of course, is the lethality and readiness of the total force. And so AETC looking at how we can do our part to help him achieve those priorities. And this also allows us to ensure our recruits have the ability to step into that joint warfighting role that combatant commanders expect of airmen when they do deploy downrange. To help with that, BMT's changes to the curriculum really along four major lines of effort that include readiness and lethality, airmanship, fitness, and the warrior ethos. So here to break down those changes, the aforementioned Chief Hoover and Sergeant Garza. Buckle up, enjoy the ride, and away we go with episode one of Developing Mach 21 Airmen. So Chief Hoover, tell us yeah. uh, just a little bit about yourself and how you ended up here at BMT. Yeah, it's a mystery. Um, so I'm a broadcast journalist by trade, came in in uh, 01 and just bounced around mainly just working at uh, AFN stations, telling the Air Force story, if you will. And um, a couple years ago, this opportunity came up. Said, hey, do you, what do you think about BMT? And um, kind of probably like a lot of our MTIs thought that maybe, maybe this isn't a good idea, but let's, okay, let's do it. Um, so got here in uh, 17, February of 17 as a squadron superintendent. Um, absolutely fell in love with the mission, the people right away. And um, just over time, uh, kind of embraced the mission more, learned about the mission more, um, got to know our MTIs even more. And then in July of this year, came up and uh, was going to... Chosen, I guess, if you will, by our, our commander to be the group superintendent, and I've been doing that since July, and kind of working with our MTIs as we go through a lot of these changes. And you, you brought along today to join the show, probably one of your best, obviously with the awards that he's winning. But Technical Sergeant Eric Garza, tell yes, us a little bit about yourself. Uh, first, thank you, thank you for having us today. So, I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas, born and raised. Had no intentions of of coming back at this point in my career. Uh, primary AFSC Security Forces by trade. I've been in the Air Force for about 10 years now. Um, prior to coming here, I was a security forces flight chief for about seven years. So I was doing the flight chief, very comfortable. Um, felt like I was a technical expert. And they kind of threw this idea of DSD, which I wasn't educated on at the time. So uh, I had to do a lot of research. I was a little hesitant. Uh, initially, my thoughts was I want to be a tech school instructor, right? Because I'm a first line supervisor. I'm getting these, these, these airmen fresh out of tech school. Um, I'm knowing what I'm getting out of a three level and I know what type of impact I'm making. So why not do it as a tech school instructor? Well, they gave me options. They said, hey, you can be an MTI, uh, technical training instructor and MTL. You had three choices. But at the end of the day, we're going to vector you where we see fit and what our match comm is going to allocate or, or what they need. Uh, so name goes up and I get a call that, hey, you've been selected to be an MTI. So here we are. You fast forward. I've now been an MTI for about three years, got here in April 1st of 2016, so I'm coming up on my three-year mark. Um, got here, my first squadron was a 324, that was a line instructor after completing my MTIS, after completing my 90-day TQ. I was there for about 13, 14 months before I got vectored to be a trainer. So now I'm not only afforded an opportunity to inspire and change lives with airmen, but I got the opportunity to actually train new NCOs, technical sergeants, master sergeants, and my last student was a uh, senior master sergeant select, who I was fortunate enough to kind of push through the teaching process. So, again, not only inspiring the airmen, but, but as well as the uh, NCOs and senior NCOs we had coming down here. Obviously, a lot of great experience here in the room. And you look at the changes to the BMT curriculum, and they're all geared towards really developing lethal and ready airmen from a strategic perspective. And there's a lot of tactical work that goes into it. But... Chief, could you kind of 
talk a little bit more in depth about the kind of the genesis of the changes to the curriculum, how they came about, and a little bit into the bird's eye view of the implementation and, and what Colonel Carruthers and yourself have said. He, he, he said a great quote. We had a national media interview with him a few months ago, and he said 80% of the Air Force's DNA runs right through yeah. the gateway to the Air Force here so at true. JBSA Lackland. And it, it really is so true. So if you could maybe just give us a little little look into the genesis of all these changes. Sure. I think it started with this natural inclination to kind of step back and look at what we're doing and making sure it's healthy and right. Um, and so we did that probably a year, maybe over a year ago now, where we just kind of reviewed our processes, reviewed our program, and tried to look at it from the perspective of what our chief of staff was saying, what our Secretary of the Air Force is saying about uh, being ready, being, being lethal, uh, being ready for the unknown, right? And so we kind of looked at our basic military training program through those lenses and kind of said, hey, here's some things that we could do that, to get after those things more, to make sure that when our airmen graduate here, that they're more ready, they're more lethal, they're more fit, uh, both in body, spirit, and mind, um, and just uh, have stronger character. And so we kind of broke it down into four different areas, if you will. We looked at that readiness and lethality. What are some things we could do across the BMT eight and a half weeks uh, to make sure that they're ready, they're more lethal, they have, and that just not necessarily, you know, holding the weapon, but their mind's ready. They, they understand what it means to be part of the Air Force team. Uh, we also looked at airmanship. We taught airmanship in our Airman's Week. We taught it in a one-week program, and it's the Airmanship 100 course. We looked at, hey, are there ways we can do that differently? And so we ended up breaking that across all eight and a half weeks of training and kind of tried a different approach that I'm sure we'll talk about more, but I think it's, it's working out really well. Uh, we also looked at the fitness making sure that we weren't just training our recruits how to conduct the PT test, but that we're instilling a habit, a habit of, of being just a healthy uh, warrior, whether that's nutrition, uh, PT, or, or whatnot. And so uh, we increased our PT sessions. We, we did them more often and even after the PT test, where before it was just kind of leading up to a PT test. And the other thing we did was kind of, we recognized and think that there was more we can do to ensure that our airmen knew whose footsteps they were following in. We didn't really hit after our, our heritage or our heroes as much as we could have. And so we really took a, a significant effort to make sure that we're talking about them. We're showing them who they are. We're, we're highlighting them at multiple stages of the BMT process. So um, that was kind of like our way to get after the heritage, get after the warrior ethos and the history of our, of our Air Force and then our airmen. And so that's kind of where we started. Uh, we looked at it and kind of took it a pretty aggressive approach to say, hey, Let's, let's make this happen right and just credit to our MGI Corps uh, because they were flying by the seat of their pants in a lot of it, right? Just yes. kind of, hey, we got, we, got to, we got to make this work. We got to move out because this is, it's not an emergency, but it kind of is, right? We got an Air Force meeting to create and, and every week we're graduating 800 more. The longer we take, you know, the further we will be, we'll be behind. And so uh, we moved pretty aggressively and as September 4th, we said, hey, let's go. And so that first flight went out and of course... Um, I don't know the number, but since then, every week, um, I think November 2nd was the first flight that graduated in that eight and a half week because they started September 4th, graduated November 2nd. And since then, every graduate that is entering our Air Force and technical training pipeline, um, I believe they're more ready and they're more lethal. So kind of piggybacking <clears throat> off that, obviously, as an MTI, that's a huge change. You're yes. kind of revamping the entire thing and, and like Chief said, very aggressively. So uh, how was that? change kind of received and then how was it really executed uh, at the tactical level by the, the MTI Corps? So as far as being received, I'll tell you, um, it was challenging, you know, because for so many years, um, especially me speaking from experience, you know, I was three years just, you know, 
you know, um, structured to do it the same way every seven and a half weeks. Personalities change, stories change, um, how you deliver and how you lead. I mean, it kind of varies, but as far as your seven and a half week program, it was, it was very structured. Um, so now here we are with eight and a half week program and a lot of things were some challenges, right? You got to think administratively, you got to think, um, wow, I have to ask a student, right? Perhaps a staff sergeant, hey, I need you to go six weeks straight working a six in one schedule prior to you even getting a breakaway from, from these airmen versus our traditional seven and a half program. We're going four weeks before they went to beast. So it was a challenge uh, across BMT. However, I, I think, or I don't think, I believe a majority of the MTIs saw the end result. Couldn't predict it, but we just like, man, we, we believe in the process. We believe in being innovative, right? Because we talk about it all the time. So as far as executing it goes, um, you know, we had to be realistic. And so let me paint a picture. We have individuals with six years experience all the way up to 18 years, right? My instructor supervisor, he's been in 18 years. So when you have a, a broad range of AFSCs, a broad range of experience in dis different leaderships who bring different things to the table, when it comes to being innovative, you're definitely gonna get some feedback uh, throughout the entire process. So executing it wasn't hard. You got MTIs, we adapt every single day because every, every day presents something different. Um, you're transiting with a flight, Airman might have a breakdown because he just got yelled at and it took him back to perhaps his childhood, you know, dealing with his father. And that's something you have to deal with um, in transit. So what do you do? You're in zero week. Um, the, the stereotype is we're, we're consistently yelling at these kids. You know, what do you do at that point in time? So, um, again, uh, for the MTIs adapting from what I've seen and, and some of the feedback I got from, from my peers, um, it's, it's been easy to execute. Have we had some challenges? Absolutely. But, you know, they've been able to give the feedback um, in order to move forward. Yeah, the, if I could, you know, the great thing about um, moving out aggressively and kind of putting this on our MTIs to, hey, go make, go make this happen um, as they go through those eight and a half weeks and as they learn because it's so different, um, just talking to them and learning so much about them because this is kind of like, it's, especially now, it's constantly evolving, right? It's that, how that eight and a half weeks, the eight and a half weeks is set, right? And most, some stuff is set in stone, but where a class goes at a certain time and what you're talking about at a certain point in the eight and a half weeks, um, getting that feedback from the instructors and and shaping the program in a different way based on what they're telling us and what they're hearing from the airmen. Uh, it's been pretty, it's been pretty, uh, it's been pretty good. Pretty exciting to see it happen. Actually. Absolutely. So when you, when you look at those four main areas of focus and we're talking readiness and lethality, mm -hmm. airmanship, fitness, and warrior ethos, could you just give us maybe a little bit of an idea of the a tangible, what that really means? What, what does that mean when you're talking about, the, the fitness, what does that mean when you're talking about warrior ethos when you're trying to prepare these airmen in a different way? So can you kind of tell uh, a, us a little bit about that that process? So so what I'll say to that is, to, to kind of just uh, give you a little insight is, we want them to understand pretty much all these four domains, right? We want you to understand them. We need you to embrace them, but we also need you to live by them because this is just a habit, right? So it's, it's, it's conditioning is what we want them to understand. So when we execute some of these four domains, we talk about readiness and lethality, lethality, airmanship 100, fitness and the warrior ethos. We Initially, when we're teaching this, beginning in the second week of training, and we're, we're delivering these 31 hours of curriculum, you know, we, just, we need you to understand this first, right? Because like I tell every MTI, you cannot underestimate any airmen that, that we pick up every eight and a half weeks. Some of these kids come down here, or some of these men and women come down here with uh, degrees in psychology, 
So you might be five minutes into a, a, a facilitation session and they already have a conclusion on what the topic is, right? Um, so we never want to underestimate that. So we want to make sure that they're understanding that they're embracing everything that we're, we're, we're trying to instill in them with our own personal experiences, with their personal experiences, with our own challenges. Um, we, we want them to understand that this is a way of life. This MTI is talking to you with 12 years experience. This is how I live by these, some of these core values. This is how I live through my own resilience, through my own leadership, through my own followership. So that's just kind of the idea behind it is understanding it, embracing and living by, by these four domains. So when you talk about fitness, what are some of the changes from the old to the new? Yeah, so some of the changes I think Chief Hoover hit on it earlier is we went from 31 sessions to 44 sessions. And I think if we talk to any MTI, one of the biggest things that's oftentimes disappointing is, is the PT failures, right? Um, they come down here. And again, when we I'm going to refer back to the old program. The old program, when I was pushing a flight, we would go four weeks straight. Okay, and they would have consistent PT sessions, obviously, depending on the weather. They would go to Beast for a week. So obviously, they wouldn't be with their primary MTI. They wouldn't be um, in their normal routine of, hey, I wake up in the morning, I go do PT, whether it's a strength, whether it's a cardio, whether it's an interval training day. They wouldn't have that. So we lost about roughly five days uh, PT sessions. Then we roll into the six week of training and potentially, you know, you, you could have that PT test on that Monday. Um, so they weren't getting enough PT sessions to, to, to say we, we didn't have enough time to get them to where the Air Force expected them to be. We didn't have enough one-on-one -on -one time to, to coach, right, to correct, to mentor, to guide, um, and enough time. So from the 31 to 44, obviously, we haven't done a, a qualitative or quantitative survey to determine um, whether or not it's we've seen a decrease in PT failures because we're still going through that eight and a half week program. We haven't collected enough data. But the pulse of the BMT core, the MTI core is MTIs um, have a little bit of sense of relief that they're able to get more PT sessions, more time in to actually coach these airmen through because we're not just out there doing PT with them, right? We, we're, we're coaching them, we're deliberately coaching them. Um, we're helping them with their running form. We're helping them with their push-up forms, their sit-ups forms. So we're actively coaching them, correcting their form, and, and getting them to, to where they need to be. Yeah, another point of it, just to kind of talk through the, the habit, the, developing the habit lifestyle. So they get these PT sessions, and, and once they take their PT test, which is in the six-week of training, um, in the past, especially when you had the seven-and-a-half weeks, it's like you take that PT test, you're in the six-week of training, you pass, okay, I'm done. And now that PT test is still in the six week of training, but you're still doing PT after that test. You're still do. You're still going out as runs as a team. You're still uh, pushing yourself uh, because it's not just to pass this PT test at BMT. It's about to develop a lifestyle of fitness, a lifestyle of nutrition and healthy living. So I think that's one of the benefits that we get at it. And then another thing I'll mention is we have the uh, the support from sports medicine, the uh, integrated health support. Um, I'm, I'm kind of forgetting the. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's called something different now. Well, we had a Viper test. We had a, a test run of Viper, um, which was the Versatile Injury Prevention uh, Office, essentially. And it basically worked with our recruits that come in and they'd have, uh, whether it's shin splints or some stress fractures or just pain because they haven't run, they haven't uh, done anything uh, like this before. And so they can work with them uh, as an athletic trainer and keep them in training and get them healthy and teach them how to run and get them to graduate on time and pass a PT test um, and kind of develop this healthy lifestyle. 
without having to get just put in your med hold, if you will, uh, and just on a holdover flight. And so now we're able to spread that across all of our squadrons. It's an integrated integrated occupational support, sports medicine, I think is what uh, we're calling it. But all the squadrons are going to have that, which is a big which is a big benefit to our recruits. And 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 I believe when we talk about the Viper and what's that's doing, what what's that doing for our airmen is these four focus areas, they kind of all intertwine. So when we think about Viper, we think about the Airmanship 100, you know, one of the biggest things that we talk about and one of the biggest things for me is, is resilience. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What does that mean? Um, and, I, and I think we can plug in a lot of stories on, on, on when we had to demonstrate resilience and what that looked like. So when we talk about Viper, you know, you could have a, a, a trainee, right, who experiences some type of stress fractures, maybe they roll an ankle, Maybe they, they experience some type of injury where they're going to need this rehabilitative um, individuals to help them out. Right. So now they're facing a resilient moment. Well, if we go back to the seven and a half week program, this you know Airmanship 100 curriculum was not embedded. These 31 hours of curriculum was not there. So it was pretty much up to the MTI based off of their level of experience, based off of their level of skills um, to determine whether or not they were going to even discuss resilience, whether or not they were even going to identify that as a hot topic or the perfect opportunity um, to talk to the team, you know, and maybe allow that airman to open up on what they're going through, how they combated that, how, how did they maintain resilience, what did they do? Or maybe that trainee is in the fifth week of training and then there's somebody in the second week of training. They want to quit. They want to go home. Well, now that we got this Airmanship 100, I'm able to kind of merge them together. I'm able to use this fifth week. Hey, I want you to talk to this second week. Tell him or her how you were resilient. You know, what, what does that mean to, to trust the process, right? Because we say fitness is a habit and we're going to have some bad days, you know, and, and, and we can all kind of go around the table and go around the room and, and share. We've had some bad days, right? We've had moments in life where we had to be resilient. So I, I believe this kind of all works together. Um, so, Well, you talk about Airmanship 100 and creating that continuous BMT experience that that allows that mind-to-heart adoption of of the core values. How's that been from uh, an execution and tactical uh, perspective from an MTI? Because before that was kind of done during Airman's Week at the end uh, of BMT after they they marched and graduation and everything. Um, So tell me a little bit about how that has kind of helped them really adopt those values we want them to leave here with. Yeah, so I, I, what I'll say is the instructors of the MTIs that we had at Airmen's Week, the program itself was already phenomenal. So the program, the curriculum, the 31 hours that they were given was, was, was just phenomenal. A lot of feedback we got from those MTIs was just great, right? It helped them professionally. It helped them personally as well in their own personal lives. And I think it's, in, I believe it's going to carry on when they go to their next duty station. Um, so taking those 31 hours and kind of weaving it into the eight and a half week program, some of the feedback we're, we're getting as far as executing is, you know, the trust and relationship starts with transparency and credit. And the only way we can be transparent and, and be credible uh, with some of these airmen is actually opening up, right? Because I think General Mattis talked about um, ethical dilemmas, right? When we face these ethical dilemmas, it's kind of how do we combat these? How do we actually work through some of these ethical um, dilemmas or, or ethical problems? So being able to embed this early um, in the second week of training, Right. As far as executing that, we're, we're able to develop camaraderie first. Right. Because I tell every MTI and anybody who says, hey, you're an MTI, you're not supposed to have a 
relationship with a trainee. A trainee should not be allowed to give you feedback. Well, I would I would argue that and say we need to remember that we're their first line supervisor, first ever. This is a first ever first line supervisor, and and I believe the type of leadership um, traits that we portray is contagious. So if technical sergeant Garza is sharing his own personal stories as a senior airman and what I had to combat uh, as far as resilience and ethical dilemmas, they're like, wow, man, when I become a staff sergeant in three years, four years, mm-hmm. man, this this works. This is a recipe to kind of get a team through whatever problems they're going through. This is how I get an airman who is perceived as, man, this kid's not going to make it. This is what I need to do. I need to open up. I need to share my story. I need to open up of what it means to be a good follower. Maybe he's just a good leader. So intertwining it um, in the eight and a half week program, one, it's, it's developed camaraderie quick, sooner. You're gaining trust and you're gaining credibility and transparency with your flight sooner um, versus your seven and a half week program. Because again, I'm going to go back and paint that picture is every MTI has a different skill set. Every MTI has different leadership skills. You know, you're talking to a security forces defender who before ALS already had um, was already supervising informally, right? Graduate ALS. Now I got EPRs due in the next 30 days um, versus some career fields where they just don't have a large enough career field to supervise that many airmen. They might supervise once. They might have not dealt with different personality traits and, and, and kind of really had the tools necessary to, to counsel them or mentor them out of whatever they were going through. So the execution piece has worked out tremendously from the camaraderie piece, the trust, respect, um, and just that transparency that, that I think we were missing. And that really rolls right into the warrior ethos and, and also kind of the same process, kind of bringing it in from day one and really cementing that appreciation of those who ha- have been um, walking before them. And we're not just talking about like our Medal of Honor recipients. We're talking about everyday airmen, right? Yes. Yeah, so when it talks about the um, word ethos, when we're reading, you know, some of the stories and background behind some of these these heroes on those Saturdays PT sessions, and a lot of times some innovative stuff that some MTIs have done, instead of just the MTI reading, they're actually allowing these airmen to read it. You know, maybe an airman who's just motivated, you know, you might have a young airman, uh, Eric Thomas, who's just overly excited, overly motivated, um, and sometimes they'll give them the you know, the papers to kind of read off to the flights and get them motivated for PT. So again, I, I think it just reels them back into, hey, I'm not just going through this formality of BMT. This is actually a way of living it. And the same leadership that I'm getting here, um, in the same way that my first line supervisors are expecting me to embrace this, live this, is going to be the same thing that I'm going to get when I get to my next phase of training, which is technical training in my first duty station. I think when I've looked at everything, and I, I still want to talk readiness and lethality yeah. individually, but when I look at all these topics, right, it's so interesting how they all kind of work together in an integrated way. Because, yes. for example, you know, you have the uh, heritage plaques out at the, the yes. obstacle course yep. uh, for the airmen to kind of help motivate them. You're doing the heritage piece as part of your fitness program. Um, yes. And I'm sure it's talked about when you're when you talk about airmanship and, and core values. So isn't it awesome how these things are all so interrelated and then just all work together? It is because, you know, again, we talked about transparency. They're going to get to the first duty station, you know, and, and maybe when they come to that first ECP, it's going to be um, dedicated to a fallen hero. 
right? So they might come to that gate and it's like, wow, this, this entry control point, this visitor center, family members come, this is dedicated to a fallen hero. So it's just rekindling and it's just that continuum and this is what I live by. I'm gonna deploy and, and, and base X, this area is gonna be dedicated to this warrior. Or when I'm part of this career field, I'm probably gonna have some fallen heroes and I'm probably gonna have a fallen hero uh, wall in, um, to remember some of those individuals. So it's good for them. I think it's also about you know helping them understand that they're, they're, they're joining a family. They're joining a family of uh, a family and uh, an organization that, that it's world war fighters, right? And so we got to prepare them for that. And everything kind of intertwines together. And I, if you look at the four, you know, we talk about readiness and lethality as maybe one primary point, right? But in reality, all four of them kind of encompass this readiness and lethality mindset because mm-hmm. you have to be you have to be attached to the to the family that you're in. You have to be have to understand and be inspired by the people you're following. Um, and that kind of prepares you more than we were doing before. You have to be able to be fit to fight. You have to be able to be healthy, um, both in body, mind, spirit, and all that stuff. And if you are, then you're more ready to fight. Uh, and you have to develop the character traits needed to be an airman. You have to you have to understand that the person next to me that's just that's not just a man or a woman, but that's a brother, that's a sister, that's a wingman, right? that's a fellow airman. And we can go and and you know, Sergeant Garza and his fellow MTIs, they they do a good job of breaking down those barriers early on when a when a recruit shows up here. And those trainees, they start to feel like a family. They start to feel like a family, and and the MTI is kind of leading that family in some ways. Um, and it's it's pretty inspiring to see. I know they'll talk about the the team dynamics and how yes. that it just goes quicker now because they're they're understanding that they're they're part of a family, um, and that, that all ties together. And so I, readiness and lethality. It's certainly about weapons familiarization. It's certainly about weapons handling, being more comfortable with that weapon. And we're doing that right. And we're going to be transitioning to an M4. Uh, this year, so they'll be firing an M4, and they'll actually have a, a full-up garrison qualification um, when they leave here at BMT. So that's definitely about readiness. It's about a uh, you know a better tactical combat casualty care. You know, so a better uh, right now we teach that self-aid buddy care, but we want to teach them what it's like in a tactical combat situation. And so we're going to get to that. And that's that's all, of course, readiness and lethality. But at its core. I think if you have stronger moral character, if you know how to navigate ethical dilemmas, if you're a fitter airman, um, and if you're tied into what family you're coming into, that just overall makes you more ready for what we're going to ask them to do. And I agree with you, Chief, is we talked about TCCC, right, is what we call in security forces, the tactical combat casualty care. We talked about the qualification. you know, we're not just doing something just for the sake of doing it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we talked about transparency and and, and Self-aid buddy care or TCCC and weapons qual, those are perishable skills. If you don't fire for a long time, it's a perishable skill. If you're not firing frequently, it's a perishable skill. Same thing with combat casualty care. So, um, and we, and I get it. And and some of the feedback has been, well, you know, it makes sense for a security forces member. It makes sense for a special tactics member. But what about a medical career field where maybe they're not, they're not in the same army group. And we understand that. But at the end of the day, these are, these are perishable skills, right? And when that time does come, because it can come sooner than later, and we don't really know when it's going to come, um, it's 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 something that they were conditioned for, right? They've already had the battle rehearsal. They already had the battle drill once in BMT. So if it happens in technical training or if it happens at their first duty station or whatever deployment uh, training site they're going to go to, I mean, they've, they've had some familiarization with that qualification or that training of the combat casualty care. So we're not doing something for the sake of doing it. We're doing something that means something um, that's going to help them throughout their career. And so what was the thought process before Beast Week was kind of that readiness kind of test. And now sure. it's kind of been moved towards the end. 
yeah. as a culminating event, if you will. So talk about that mindset and how that's worked out. So Beast Week, as it's kind of evolved since really the late 90s, right? It started with the Warrior Day. And then it kind of turned into a warrior week, which is what I went through, right? Yes. You go out there and it was and it was the fifth week of training. And back then it was six and a half weeks of BMP. So it was like that last week. So I went go out there. It was that last <laughs> week before you became an airman. You went and had this warrior week, right? And you, there was some fun and games and sleeping in tents and all that sort of stuff. And it always just kind of remained in the fifth week of training, even when we expanded to seven and a half and eight weeks and stuff. And, and, and again, when I mentioned the beginning where we stepped back and kind of reviewed how we were doing things, we realized that Beast the basic expeditionary airman skills training that week, that should be the final culminating challenge, right? And, and it should be a challenge. And so we did that. We, we re-sequenced it. So now it's back to that final week before you become an airman. Uh, and we made it more challenging. We added uh, more combat skills training, right? Now there were before, just as an example, we would teach them the, uh, you know, the hand-to-hand combat. We would teach them how to fight, but they would shadow box, right? Now they're putting on the gear and they're hitting each other. Um, safely and, and with oversight, but they're hitting <laughs> each other. Um, and, you know, we now we're, we're waking them up in the middle of the night. They're doing it, they're pulling them out of the tents as if it's a, a, sim, uh, a simulated night attack. They got to get out of their tents, get to a hardened shelter, and take accountability. Uh, and those those kind of things. And we're going to continue to expand that and, and make the, the claw, the, the obstacle course, make that more challenging, right? Make it. And, and another thing we're doing is. Uh, being more committed to that being a mandatory requirement. Um, it's, it's not something that you can get waived, right? It's, you have to complete these. It's going to be a challenge. And if you can't complete it, then you may have to step back and wait a little bit until you're ready to go. Um, because you can't, we can't honestly say that we're uh, graduating ready airmen if they haven't gone out and completed that beast challenge. And so, you know, we've talked about so much today, and this is really just incredible stuff happening here at Air Force Basic Military Training. And, you know, you've had now since November graduates mm-hmm. coming out of this new revamped curriculum focused on lethality and readiness. Mm-hmm. So obviously we talked a little bit about, you know, analytically, not a lot of, you know, really info to, to reach back on yet, but what are the early returns um, from these graduates? Uh- but what, I, what I'll give to that is they have a quicker understanding of the BMT rigors, right? So they have an understanding of the team camaraderie. They have an understanding of, of team dynamics. They have a quicker understanding of just all the BMT rigors quicker because they're with their primary MTI team mm-hmm. for a longer period of time and a consistent period of time prior to going to that final culmination exercise and then coming back to the MTIs for graduation week. And kind of reaching out to the field because, you know, I'm, I'm curious, right? So I'm reaching out to fellow first sergeant peers that, that I might know at Base X. And I'm just kind of reaching out like, hey, are you seeing a trend in disciplinary issues? Or is it kind of decrease without really asking for a survey? Um, and some of the polls and some of the feedback I've, I've received is disciplinary actions are decreasing. And specific things of um, inappropriate behavior, maybe some drug use. Um, substance abuse, you know, sexual, um, sexual uh, things in nature has, has really decreased at some of these bases is what they see. Um, but without really having a survey to back it, this yeah. is just my own personal um, pulse from the field is they feel like this disciplinary actions uh, has reduced. Yeah, a lot of the, the feedback is uh, anecdotal at this point, right? So we're getting to that, <clears throat> that point where we're just asking, hey, we're asking the airmen, asking the tech school instructors, and hey, what are you seeing? And some of the airmen are even, you know, so I, I'll just give an example. Last week, 
I got to sit down with some of our graduated airmen. And one of those airmen had a roommate that joined the Air Force six months ago. And so they went through the old program mm. and she went through this program. And then just comparing notes and she said her friend wished she would have gone through what, what she gets to go, her friend got to go through now, right? Because the way that um, the airmanship was structured here sounded better to her. And, and so it was, it was good to see that. And they're talking about how, you know, they feel like they're part of the team. They understand what dignity and respect means, not just in, you know, a class, but in reality by living it um, and being forced to live it as a team. So um, what we, you know, what we want to do, and I think what, what we're committed to doing over this next year and into the next and the following year is better understanding that data, better yes. understanding, hey, you know, what does it look like? What should an airman look like when they leave here? Um, and not just anecdotally, but with data. And then how do we measure that? And then how do we measure it? Not, not only measure it, but learn from it and then make adjustments and make decisions based on that data. And so that's what we're kind of committed to. I know that's what General Quas ATC is committed to across the training pipeline is to make better data-driven decisions, tie them all together from recruiting to basic training to tech school. And, and we're excited about being able to learn from, from data and from what we're doing here. And so we'll kind of wrap it up here, but I kind of wanted to give... Sergeant Garza, you know, you talked right at the very beginning. You you said, hey, I, I was security forces and yes. I really was kind of looking towards perhaps tech school. But what what would you tell, uh, you know, any NCO or even airman out there who might think being a BMT instructor might be up their alley? Uh, what would you tell them and what would you tell somebody that's like, no way I would ever do that? What, what would yeah. you tell them? I mean, it seems like you have one of the greatest jobs in the Air Force. So I do. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time is I'm a firm believer that MTIs are an artist in its truest form. So we pick them up initially and it's like a fresh campus. OK. And then as we go through these stages of team development, I get to know you as an airman. because That's my job as a first line supervisor. I need to know your wife. I need to know your kids um, because we all have they all have struggles in their own ways. Right. And I can go. For hours talking about different stories, but I, I don't want to do that. But what I'll say is. We're first line supervisor. We have an obligation. We have a duty to know our people. You know, leading is leading regardless of what capacity you're in. So if you're an MTI, you're an MTL, you're a supervisor at Base X, uh, you're a superintendent. Leading is leading in different capacities. Okay. And, and, and what I'll say is leading just doesn't stop in BMT. It carries on. If you want to challenge um, and you want to do something that's impactful, and you want to inspire people and mentor people and, and have an impact globally, because that's what you do as an MTI. You know, right now, I can honestly say I got I've been able to give a piece of myself um, that hopefully hopefully it's enduring. Right. Because I don't really know what the return on investment is as an MTI. Right. I, I don't know what that looks like. I'm only hoping that, you know, they can emulate some of the traits and they can just be better than myself. I always tell trainers, I don't want you to be me. I want you to be a better version of Sergeant Garza. Um, you know, I can honestly say that there's thousands of airmen across the world that, that I've been able to impact. Um, and I, when I go back to them being an artist, you get this canvas, you paint it. Once you get to know them and then once you meet their loved ones, uh, that graduation week, that kind of just solidifies that painting. You get a true understanding and you get to uh, solidify just why that individual is um, or why they are the way they are. You know, you meet a father, you meet a mother. You know, I remember meeting a mother. To A1C Newton, right? he's stationed at uh, uh, Fort Sam right now. Um, A1C Newton, I remember when I was talking about we were transiting, we had a bad morning that day. And my tap out, who is a Airman's Week instructor, Technical Sergeant Wilson, um, the flight um, 
was on the negative receiving end of his message that morning. So it was a bad day. Um, you know, A1C Newton, um, he had an emotional breakdown from the moment we transited all the way till we got to um, Reed Clinic. You know, I took the hat off and I was like, okay, I just, I need to talk to this individual as a mentor, as a supervisor. Um, I was able to rehabilitate him in that moment. Okay. So you kind of fast forward, individual then became my element leader. It was one of the sharpest airmen I've had to date. Right. And I still keep in contact with this airman and just kind of follow his, his progress. Hey, where you at with this? Where you at with your CDCs? Because I, I, I tell every airman I'm forever indebted with you. Right? If I'm retired, I'm still indebted with you. Right? If I'm actively in and you've kind of met that mark where you can't communicate with me, I'm going to communicate with you. Right. I want to know how you're doing. I want to I want to give you whatever I got because I'm an open book. Uh, when I met his mother, I remember her specifically telling me we're in the back of the bays. You know, she's like, you know, I, I asked for an angel um, and he gave me you. You know, and, and, and that was that was very meaningful. And again, um, as an MTI, you don't know what you're going to expect from a parent. So if you want to come down here, you want to be an MTI, you want to impact somebody, you want to make a uh, uh, you want to help somebody change their life. If you want to provide hope, if you want to provide opportunity, then being an MTI is, is, is the best thing for you. I would not shy away from it. I would not steer away from it. I, I would look that challenge dead in the face and be like, come on, bring it on. Because this is going to be good for yourself. This is going to be good for the airmen. Um, it's, in my personal opinion, it's, it's the best job in the Air Force. And to be honest, it's not really a job. You know, it's, it's, it's my calling. I feel like it's my mission in life to, to be an MTI. I feel like this is solidified what I want to do in life. Right? I want to help others change lives. So when I'm done with the Air Force, I want to do something that's meaningful by helping others. And this is solidified it for me. Well, I certainly appreciate both of you guys' times today. Exciting times here at JBSA Lackland at BMT, and, and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the conversations. Good stuff. So there you have it. The inaugural edition of our developing Mach 21 Airman podcast is in the books. And so we want to make sure to give special thanks to Chief Master Sergeant Lee Hoover and Tech Sergeant Eric Garza from BMT for sharing their insight and breaking down all the recent curriculum changes, exciting things happening at Air Force BMT. As a reminder, you can follow Air Education and Training Command via social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as you can check out our website for all the latest, greatest stories at www.aetc.af.mil. For our entire First Command Public Affairs Office, I'm Dan Hawkins. We'll talk to you next time on Developing Mach 21 Airmen.